Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Guelo Ramblings World Tour podcast. My name is Stephen Palmer and you might know me from being the co-host of the Asian Cinema Film Club podcast with Mr Elwood Jones or maybe my writings for easternkicks.com or maybe from my Asian Cinema blog gueloramblings.wordpress.com which is of course where this podcast gets its name. If you want to know more about who I am and how we got here, I suggest you go back and listen to the first episode and then come back when you're all up to speed. Or just stay and wing it. Either way, you are most welcome. Now last time we had a trip to Sweden and we looked at the world through the eyes of two very different 12-year-old boys. In this episode, I'm bringing it home to my country, the United Kingdom. And we'll have a look at a couple more films. One, a bonafide cult classic the other a more recent showcase for an actress director that i'd like to bring to your attention so british films that's not really world cinema i hear you say well subtitles for me are not a necessity for example i fully intend to look at an antipodean films this season and yes to some degree the age of an independent and thriving british cinema industry is long past and of course you'll find British talent in front and behind the camera and in all kinds of technical roles embedded deep in the Hollywood system. But there are films that are wholly British enterprises, although you'll often find European money behind the scenes, and even some that are not part of the Harry Potter franchise or written by Richard Curtis. Today I've picked a couple of films from a genre that I find has a particularly British sensibility. The Black Comedy. In the second half, we will look at the directorial debut of actress Alice Lowe. But first, we'll have a look at a personal favourite, Bruce Robinson's cult classic, With Nell and I. Back in the late 1980s, I was introduced to Bruce Robinson's With Nell and I via a friend. And I'll be honest, I didn't get it at all. Maybe it's because I was only 16, 17, and I'd yet to experience the real world yet. I come from a little village in southern England, and I'd never really had to exist outside the comfort of my family unit and my school friends. I wasn't really into drinking and drugs, so I had no idea about that grimmer, seedier side of life. Then I went off to university and lived in the kind of squalor potentially only achievable by five teenage white boys sharing a house. Although to be fair I've never reduced myself to rubbing deep heat all over my body for warmth or tried to supplement my alcoholic intake with lighter fluid. Later on I was reintroduced to it by another friend and this time the enjoyment blossomed aided by a collection of audio clips harvested over the embryonic internet. And literally last week, 32 years after the film was originally released, another colleague regaled me with a story about how he and his girlfriend shouted SCRUBBERS to young girls as they drove off on a journey. To people in their 40s, this film is our touchstone, and boy is it British. It's the story of two struggling actors who share a flat in London in 1969. The story is told from the perspective of the titular I, played by Paul McGann, 
and tells the story of a long weekend that he takes with, frankly, one of the great characters of British cinema, Richard E. Grant's With Now. The pair take succour in alcohol and drugs, waiting for their big breaks with their weekly dole money, the only thing keeping them from the streets. McGann's character convinces Withnow to ask his uncle Montague, played by Richard Griffiths, to allow them to spend a weekend at his countryside retreat near Penrith in the north of England. The pair, of course, have no idea how to survive in such an environment, and we get some fish-out-of-water adventures with the locals, including Michael Elphick's poacher, but the unexpected arrival of Uncle Monty himself that provides the crux of the drama. An outrageously camp and unashamed homosexual, Monty has set his sights on the fresh-faced McGann, although the reasons for this may have been put into motion by the manipulative Withnell. Eventually, they return to London, where each get some somewhat different news about their careers, and as the 1960s turn over to the 1970s, we get the sense of one age ending and another darker age beginning. For me, there are two main selling points to Withnell and I. First, it's the incredible script, which, as I said earlier, remains brilliantly quotable today. Phrases like, I must have some booze, I demand to have some booze, or we've gone on holiday by mistake, or I have a heart condition, if you hit me, it's murder. Or even the story of poor Jeff Wode have all been part of my own personal vernacular for years. And that's just the ones I can say while keeping clean as a tag on this podcast. Layered on top of this is the brilliant character of Withnell himself, based upon a real-life acquaintance of writer-director Robinson. Richard E. Grant breathes life into a character that is by turns outlandish, manipulative, arrogant, cowardly, and then eventually, well, sympathetic. It's quite remarkable that this is the first film role for the Swaziland-born Grant, and possibly one that has held his career back a touch, although I have never once heard him complain. He's gone on to be a successful character actor, and pops up in the strangest of places. I, for example, never expected him to be the antagonist of James Mangold's Logan, for example. But finally he seems to have recognition, with his Oscar nomination for his role in Can You Ever Forgive Me? But it's not just those two, the film is full of great characters. Griffith's Uncle Monty would have been a somewhat homophobic caricature of a sleazy predator, but Griffiths layers on a sadness and a joy for life to this character that we end up really sympathetic towards him, whatever his intentions. Ralph Brown's Danny the Drug Dealer is such a glorious creation that he was actually able to reprise it in the sequel to Wayne's World of all places. So yes... It's official. Withnell exists in the same cinematic universe as Wayne and Garth. Amongst those laughs, hilarious situations, quotable dialogue, great soundtrack and fabulous performances, there is something else, a real darkness. Withnell is a loathsome coward and is clearly abusing himself with drugs and alcohol to hide a real self-loathing. Clearly he's from the upper middle class at least, Uncle Monty him attests to that, but his chosen career has obviously made him the black sheep of the family, and whatever talents he may genuinely have, he's not ever going to get that big break. 
as the decade ticks over and our titular pair prepare to part ways, Withnell gives his finest, darkest, most heartfelt performance. His Hamlet in a rain-sodden, dreary London park to an audience of no one, and it ends the film in a heartbreaking way that's painful to watch. Whilst Withnell and I eventually has become a cult classic, Alice Lowe's debut directorial effort is a much more low-key affair and is darker in a more obvious way. Lowe herself is a familiar face in British television comedy and probably now more famous for her role in the recent Bandersnatch interactive Black Mirror episode. And of course for the rather wonderful Ben Wheatley black comedy Sightseers, a movie she actually co-wrote as well as starred in. Dark black comedy seems to be in her blood, as Ruth, her character in Prevenge, seems to be fairly aligned with where Tina, her character in Sightseers, ended that film. We meet Ruth, heavily pregnant and clearly reeling from both the efforts involved with that particular biological burden and from the loss of the child's father, who we find has passed away in a climbing accident. Ruth's troubles are seemingly vocalised by the ever-nagging voice of her as-yet-unborn child, which eggs Ruth on to commit a series of murders. And as the film progresses, we realise these people are all connected to the death of her deceased partner. Lowe made the film when she was seven, eight months pregnant, stemming from a feeling that her pregnancy would make her undesirable for other roles. The script was written in a mere three and a half days, and the film itself was shot in a mere 11 days. So we have a heavily pregnant actress-director directing her first film, and up against the deadline of actually giving birth. The resultant film to my mind is rather wonderful, although it does suffer from a few rough edges, and the tone of the film including a bit of a slow start, could deter the more casual viewer. If you like your horror visceral, then this film has moments for you. If you want to look at the subtext of the struggles of pregnant women in society, or women in general, then this film has moments for you. If you want to debate with your friends about actually how much of the film is real and how much is imagined, rather like, say, American Psycho, then you'll get something from this film as well. Heck, we could probably sit down and debate about actually who killed her partner. There is something very British about proceedings, and not just because it's a British cast and set in and around the Welsh capital of Cardiff. Characters like the loathsome DJ Dan and the creepy pet shop owner seem to be born out of a uniquely British experience. Maybe I could see the film existing within an Australian context, but maybe that's down to colonialism. Even more interestingly, Lowe makes little or no effort to make Ruth particularly likeable or sympathetic. We may well sympathise with the reality of her situation, but we certainly don't support her actions. Prevenge is a bit like that classic British institution Marmite. You'll either hate it or simply not get it at all. Or, like I do, you'll love it and evangelise about it. Oh, and by the way, I hate Marmite.
So that's two British black comedies. One I endure intensely, and the other I hope you take the time to explore. I chose them because they both feel incredibly British to me, both hugely enjoyable, but there's that darkness, griminess and authenticity you just don't get when Hollywood swoops in. You should now be able to find the page for the podcast on Facebook. Just search for Guelo Ramblings World Tour or look at the episode description. If you want to contact the show, give feedback or maybe tell you about your favourite British films or suggest something for a future episode, feel free to contact me there or via email on thingsfallapart at hotmail.co.uk. I am actually planning a future episode where I have other people talk about their own favourite foreign films, so if you'd like to contribute a short two to three minute segment, get in contact, and if enough people are interested, I'll close out season one of the show with a more collaborative episode. Next episode, I'm going to take the podcast over the channel and look at a couple of French films that are defined by their leading females. I'll introduce you to a government-trained assassin and a girl defined by whimsy. Until next time, this is Stephen, signing off from the United Kingdom. Hello, thank you, and goodbye.